It's the Horrorphoria Podcast. Don't touch that dial. Andy Gilly and John Richards are your hosts of this weekly podcast to rate and review horror movies. Is it good? Is it bad? <laughs> Is it a classic? Find out now. <laughs> Welcome to the Horrorphoria Podcast. It is Monday. May 11th of 2020. This is episode number 61, broadcasting from our Roxanne. You don't have to turn on the red light. Studios in Wausau, Wisconsin. I'm John Richards. And uh, Andy Gilly got kind of tied up today. A lot going on uh, as far as the business end of it. So uh, I'm so happy that we actually have friends in the horror movie movie community and uh, finally get to bring this guy on talking about at least a decent movie. Bob from the Straight Chillin' Podcast. How are you, buddy? I am doing just fine. And uh, yeah, I won't spill the beans quite yet, but I don't know. Maybe I think this is a terrible movie. I guess we'll have to find out. See, that's true. I, I Maybe I shouldn't make the assumption that this is actually good <laughs> to you. But I'll tell you this is that uh, we had Justin on a couple of weeks ago talking about our top five horror movies of all time. Actually, like top 10. And this this mm-hmm. for me is in my top 10 could be interchanged with seven or eight. This movie was so good. I don't know. We'll get more into that. But horror movie news. Uh, looks like they did release the official trailer for a movie you remember Andy talking about last week called Becky. It stars uh, Kevin James and Joe McHale. Kevin James plays a racist prison escapee. Um, and it's up to Becky, played by Lulu Wilson, to protect her family from James and his group of prison escapees who seem to be on a quest for some kind of key. It's going to be rated R. Bob, I know you've seen this uh, trailer, and uh, what are your thoughts? Are you excited about this one? Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I think uh, I've always enjoyed Kevin James's comedy, and I think watching him in a role like this uh, where, where he's definitely a bad guy is going to be interesting to see. Um, and I think that's kind of like an interesting thing that's, that's been happening more frequently is we're seeing a lot of these people that work in the comedy realm uh, transitioning to more horror-related stuff. Um, and they seem to be doing pretty well with it. You know, it's sort of like uh, two sides of the same coin, horror and comedy. So I think uh, I think we'll be able to pull it out pretty well. I've liked some of Kevin James stuff. I mean, it's kind of 50 50 for me. I mean, some of it was great. Yeah. Some of it, I'm just like, yeah, really? And I, yeah, I thought it was interesting because Joe McHale normally plays just kind of a like a jerk in most of the movies. But, you know, he's the straight guy with the, you know, the victim. You never see him play that. Right. Yeah. He, Joe McHale does a, a creepy very well. Um, so, yeah, I guess it'll be inter- interesting to see him uh, stretch his his acting chops a little bit, too, here. Um, but, yeah, Paul Blart, one of my all time favorite movies. No doubt. <laughs> Can't go wrong with Paul Blart, the mall cop. <laughs> Uh, another still released for Terrifier 2. You may remember that Damien Leone released a still of Sienna, played by Lauren Lavera last week. This week, you get to see a blood-covered Art the Clown. Terrifier 2 seems to be still on track to be released in October 2020. I don't know. Are you a fan of the Terrifier? Of Terrifier? Yeah, yeah. I really like that first movie. Um, watching Art the Clown just sort of uh, go around on Halloween night, um, entertaining himself you know just sort of playing with his food uh so to speak is a lot of fun um you know it's a it's a like a modern day slasher where the the killer is very memorable for me anyways so i'm excited to see what they're able to do with a sequel have have you guys uh seen that one we have have talked about it yeah we actually reviewed it i mean i love that movie and it's like 
there's a use of a, a of a certain weapon that you never ever see in a slasher movie. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and that is, it's gory. I'm looking forward to this. Actually, Andy uh, did that uh, GoFundMe thing, so I think he's going to appear on the credits when it does come out. Ah, oh, nice. He's a producer now. Look the, at that. that. Exactly right. He's just expanding his brand, I suppose. Uh, Dread Central is reporting that Spyglass Entertainment recently acquired the rights, you might like this one, to the Scream franchise, and Nev Campbell's in talks for a return. She, of course, played Sydney Prescott in the previous four Scream movies. See, I love this conversation that you guys had after uh, Justin was on our show talking about the top five, and you you, you were just—he was totally trolling you because his number five movie was Scream. Right. Yeah, we recently covered Scream um, earlier this year on Straight Chilling, and uh, it's one of my all-time favorite movies. And he gave it a one out of five <laughs> just to like annoy me, you know, and for no other reason. And then he comes on your show and he's like, yeah, that's one of my top five all time <laughs> favorite horror movies. And I was like, man, I, I won't have this sort of trolling on the show. I won't allow it. We're better than that. But um, yeah, I can't wait for another screen movie. Um, unfortunately, Wes Craven's no longer with us, so we yeah. can't direct it. Um, but, you know, I'm always I'm always excited to see Ghostface on the big screen. Yeah, for sure. Well, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about you. You guys, uh, I actually want to talk a little more about your guys' uh, Patreon because uh, Andy and I are both patrons, uh, $5 level, so we get to uh, participate in your guys' monthly poll. Um, you have a new level, the $10 level. Right, yeah. Um, we have a, a $10 level that we started releasing um, uh, what we call mini casts um, that are exclusive to Patreon. You can't get them anywhere else. So there, it's just like a lot of bonus content um, in which we primarily review uh, new movies or television shows. Mm -hmm. um, so we've uh, we've we've kind of tried to expand uh, what we do on on Patreon instead of uh, you know just having the polls. And, you know, the stickers and the shouts outs and the, uh, you know, you pick the flick. We're also just creating a lot of uh, bonus content. Um, so, yeah, if you're interested, you could check us out. Straight Chilling Podcast on uh, Patreon or, you know, anywhere you get your podcasts. And, uh, yeah, throw throw us some bones if you're able to do so. We, we certainly would appreciate it. And we, we give that full endorsement because we completely support the show. And you guys are good friends of the show. So we appreciate that. Oh yeah, we appreciate your support, man, and and getting to, being able to engage with you guys as regularly as we do, and just sort of carving out our own little fi uh, family here in the in the horror community it has been uh, really enjoyable over the past few years. So, um, you know, uh, yeah, thanks thanks again for for having us on and supporting us. Oh, you bet. We'll do that for a long, long time. All right, let's get into the movie, The Invitation from 2015. Karen Kusama, director. Uh, I didn't realize she directed Jennifer's Body. Right. Yeah. I, I always forget that for some reason. Uh, Jennifer's Body, that's one that I need to revisit. I haven't seen it in a while. Um, are you a fan of it? You know, I don't remember liking it that much, but I mean, it's something that I would look back on or, or like if I have some time, I'd definitely check it out again. Yeah, I remember the only thing I remember loving about it was the cinematography. I forget uh, who the DP was, but he was previously like a fashion photographer or some, something like that, I want to say. Mm -hmm. It's like it's photographed really, really well. Um, but I, yeah, I don't remember loving the movie either, but I need to watch it again for sure. Yeah. Slam it into your eyeballs, right? 
They're exactly right. <laughs> all right. Slam so it, it on it. Uh, slamming in. That hurts. Uh, all right. Here's your synopsis of uh, the invitation from 2015. Will and Eden were once a loving couple. After a tragedy took their son, Eden disappeared. Two years later, out of the blue, she returns with a new husband. And as a different person, eerily changed and eager to reunite with her ex and those she left behind, over the course of a dinner party in the house that was once his, the haunted will gripped by a mounting evidence that Eden and her new friends have a mysterious and terrifying agenda. But can we trust Will's hold on reality or will he be the unwitting catalyst of the doom he senses? Mm-hmm. Here's your spoiler alert. We are going to be talking about The Invitation from 2015 in its entirety. If you have not seen this movie, highly recommended. It. It's on Netflix. Uh, pause the podcast, go watch it, and listen to what we have to say. So initial thoughts, Bob, The Invitation. Initial thoughts. Um, this movie is one of the most like uncomfortably uh, like cringy movies I can think of that I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Like just from the very first scene, you're just sort of like uh, clenching your butt <laughs> in that <laughs> That uneasiness uh, never really goes away uh, throughout the entire movie. Uh, the, the way they build tension is just uh, uh, almost masterfully done. Um, it, it almost reminds me a little bit of like uh, Rope, that old Hitchcock movie, uh, where it's just people hanging out and talking, but you're just like so uncomfortable by everything that's being said. And there's like pleasantries being exchanged, but you know, like bubbling just underneath the surface, there's something sinister going on. Right. Um, I, I enjoy the hell out of this movie. Um, and I definitely, uh, recommend you check it out. Um, those are sort of my initial thoughts anyways. Yeah. Same with me. I, I and I, I'm going to kind of piggyback off what you said. I mean, it almost felt like an art house film at the beginning, you know, just a, a, an emotional roller coaster of, you know, uh, it seems like the couple of Eden and Will are still really in love, but tragedy just drove them apart. And then yeah. as we get more into the movie, I mean, it, it just kind of because it turns on its head and then you're like, oh, my gosh. And it, it, you kind of see it coming, but then you don't. And you're like, oh, and you're right. I mean, the very end of the movie for me was just like, I have never seen that. I felt so like terrified, just like this could happen. Yeah, you're sort of vindicated by the end of it because, you know, Will, our main character, you're sort of following him into this very uncomfortable situation in which, you know, his ex-wife is throwing this uh, this dinner party and uh, uh, Will is bringing his new lover and, and his ex-wife Eden is there with with her new guy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you know, they lost a child uh, tragically when they were married. And it's just like. You know, Will is going back to his old house that he used to live in with his ex-wife and meeting her new lover for the first time ever. And it's just like a very uncomfortable situation in general. And then on top of that, you add all of these like strange friends that she's brought back with her from Mexico and you find out they're in a cult. Uh, But don't worry, that's that's fine. It's not like a creepy death cult or anything. And it's just like the whole time you're suspicious. And at the very end, you're like finally vindicated when when stuff pops off in the last like 20 minutes or so yeah you're like yes he's not crazy these people (laughs) are insane they're trying to kill everybody yeah and i Um, love the way they built up to that though i mean yeah yeah like like you weren't exactly sure but i I, and the first time you see it because obviously rewatching, i still got a lot of enjoyment out of it but you know kind of the the cookies got spoiled because i've already seen it right exactly yeah it's definitely uh 
you know, you, you enjoy it more on the first watch because you're not quite sure if you can, you know, trust Will or, you know, or, or anybody in the house. You're not sure. And they do a really great um, sort of fake out moment. Um, there's, uh, I guess, one of the friends is uh, notoriously late. So sure. they have dinner and everything and they're like completely done with the meal and he still hasn't shown up and people are starting to worry about him a little bit. And then Will checks his phone. He finally gets signal in the house and he, he checks that he has a voicemail uh, from the missing friend who in the voicemail says that he actually arrives early. Um, so Will's like, aha, I got I got these guys now. Finally, here's my evidence in this voicemail. And he confronts everybody and sort of explodes. And he's like, you know, where's our friend? He, he's, he got here early. I know this for a fact. And as he's exploding on everybody, his friend walks in the door and says like, yo, I'm sorry. I got called away to work for a minute. Yeah. And uh, he kind of has to eat crow. And in that moment, you're like, oh, maybe these people aren't crazy. Maybe Will is just like, you know, wound up. And um, you take a step back for a moment and they just like totally psych you out. And then the ending happens, and you're like, nope, they're crazy. (laughs) That's exactly right. And it's like Will, you know, I could never never fathom uh, losing a – I don't have kids, but I could never fathom, uh, you know, being a parent and losing a young child. How difficult that would be because, you know, you see – you visibly see Will just kind of like – he went on a downward spiral, but his ex-wife Eden was very – she was like – almost at peace with it. And, you know, she made mention of that a few times. I went down to Mexico and I was able to relieve my grief and, and become a new person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She says that, but then she's also slamming pills throughout the night. And it, it seems like she's trying to make herself believe that she has found peace when she really hasn't. Right. Um, and she's, uh, she's trying to pitch, uh, this, this cult that she found in Mexico, along with her uh, her new uh, friends. Her, she's got her new boyfriend, who's a total cooter. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they've got this, uh, this like, hippie girl named Sadie, who's just, you know, quote, living with them and helping out. And then uh, we've got John Carroll Lynch's character. My favorite uh, character of the movie. <laughs> yeah, he's just this big, imposing dude, and he brings out, he's the one that brings out the cult video and, yep. like, s- sort of spills the we're in a cult a can of beans by showing everybody this video of this woman dying. Um, and it's very sad and off putting, but you know, she's surrounded by all these people who are also in the cult and are, you know, supportive and, and, and I guess loving and they try and, and, uh, sell everybody at the dinner party on this cult in that moment. Um, which is probably the moment I would have left personally. Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Well, and then, um, yeah, there was another part in there though, where you see him lock the door from the inside you know, right. and you're like, wait, hold on a second. That 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 deadbolt is supposed to be outside. And why are you locking us in? That would have given me a heads up. All right. Well, we'll start from the beginning. Will and his girlfriend, Kira, are driving to this uh, party hosted by Eden and her new husband. It, they're married, I think. Uh, David, they hit a coyote and it gives a mercy kill, kills him with a tire iron. They get to the house. All their friends are there. I, I, I'm under the assumption that that David or I'm sorry, uh, Will hadn't talked to these friends for a long time as well. Or was he still in contact with them? Yeah, it, it seems that this is the first time they've all gotten together in a very long time. So I think after, you know, the, the tragic loss of their son, they probably all just kind of disbanded and and 
are just now getting back together, getting the whole, the whole gang back together for the first time, you know. The band's back together, yeah. So um, they yeah. get to the house. Eden, or uh, Will says that he's worried about Eden. She's like, uh, uh, she's free. Her useless pain is gone. Uh, it's completely changeable. The dialogue in this was, was so good. I mean, and it's just, you felt the tension between everybody, and it was really uncomfortable for everybody. And then Pruitt shows up, who's uh, um, Carol. Uh, what's his name? Uh, John Carroll Lynch. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Uh, so they bring up the name Choi because Choi was supposed to be there. So where is he at? Um, the, the, my first indication was when David locks the door from the inside, you should have left. That's kind of weird. Yeah, and, and he explains it away by saying there's been a lot of break-ins, which, you know, cool. People lock their doors, and that's not super weird, but it's very weird to lock it from the inside with a key. Like, with, nobody's front door works that way, you know? Yeah, they had bars up on the window and stuff like that. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess technically you'd be like, okay, I feel a little safer. I don't, there's nothing really uh, weird going on here. Um, Will has a bunch of flashbacks about his kids. So, I mean, the character build of this, of, of you know, the grief that he is going through, I mean, was just shown nicely. Yeah, yeah, for sure. They have a lot of flashbacks um, that that show just kind of like how loving Will and Eden's relationship was when they were married, and it you kind of get a, a really good sense of of, um, of you know if if they hadn't lost this kid, they probably would have just lived the rest of their lives together very happily, and it makes you really feel for uh, Will's character, uh, you know, throughout the course of these flashbacks, especially because he's like walking through the house. And like spending time in each room and like reflecting on things that happen in those rooms. And it it's just uh, kind of pulling on your heartstrings a little bit. Yeah. Uh, so we get there. They, this is where the video comes in, right? Where uh, the um, what's his name? Pruitt shows the video of this uh, yeah. woman with cancer dying. And uh, I was like, man, I like you said, I would have been out of there after you show that you're, you're showing somebody pass away on, on video. And you know, this cult leader saying that she's free and she's with all of us. You're just like, Whoa, hold on a second. So what, what, this is a cult. <laughs> yeah. And you've got this strange man showing you this video who is a very imposing figure. And you know, this other guy over here is like locking the door behind you. I'd be like, no, thanks. And then after that, uh, Pruitt explains uh, how he came uh, to the invitation and like how I guess he was uh, an alcoholic. And one night he got drunk and struck his wife um, and just killed her. Uh, um, And he ended up going to jail and spent several years in jail. Um, And then after that, I guess he sort of came to this cult and found some sort of uh, relief from his guilt uh, through this cult. So you, so now, you know, this, this large man who you don't know has shown you a video and told you that he's in a cult and he's also a, a murderer. So like, <laughs> That's exactly- how are you going to stay and have dinner with him? You know? Yeah. He said, uh, accepting the invitation cured him. So he got really emotional yeah. about his wife. So you kind of felt for him. And then like, he's like, this is some brilliant acting from him. He just turns on yeah. a dime and he just, you know, he's very, he's very euphoric looking like, and I'm cured. You know, after he gets done going through this emotional story and just that turn, I mean, th- to me, that was some of the best acting in this movie. So kudos to him. Yeah. Uh, they do play yeah, he- I-, I Want. So they basically, that's how uh, you find out Pru- Pruitt's backstory. Um, Sadie says she loves it. Oh, by the way, you get introduced to Sadie. Like, isn't she like fully naked and just walks out? Hey, how you doing? Um, 
Yeah, she's uh, she's <laughs> she. I, the best way I can describe her is just like a hippie chick. She's just sort of uh, free, you know, loving, and she tries to bang Will at some point out by the pool. She and, does proposition uh, him. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, for sure. But, uh, yeah, this game is bizarre. Yeah. Gina says she wants some coke, and th- this actually kind of, like, puts some levity in the movie for me, is the the character Gina says, well, yeah, I want some coke, and David's a recovering addict, right? He says, okay, let me go get you some. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. Uh, Eden lays this, uh, one of their other friends is Ben. Eden lays this, like, really uncomfortable long kiss on Ben, we get to Pruitt. He uh, says he accidentally killed his wife, punched her. She hit her head, and, you know, she died. Um, Claire is one of the other characters. She gets freaked out and leaves. And this is where, I mean, this is where the movie has has completely turned because Claire leaves, and Pruitt says, well, oh, oh, are you in the, uh, what, Toyota Corolla or whatever? I'm behind you, so I'll go back out. She gets, Claire gets off of screen just enough to where you can't see what's going on, but Pruitt gets out of his car and then comes back. And he's like, oh, hey, everything's all good. Right. Yeah. The the way that whole shot is framed is, it's like so perfect. Yeah. The way for her to like pull off screen just enough and he like flags her down and you're like, mm, he probably just killed that woman, you know, <laughs> it's, but they don't show it. So mm-hmm. it's, there's just like an extra layer of tension there. And Will sees this whole thing happen too. He's looking out the window, uh, trying to make sure that she does leave safely because he is so suspicious. Right. Um, but, but you know, who knows, maybe she got away, maybe she didn't. I kind of think she didn't. Yeah, I agree. I, and this is the point where Will is really starting to get paranoid about everything. You know, they, they finding the pills, um, you know, this seeing this video of, of a, what they're not saying is a cult, but what really helped them. But he's getting suspicious. Uh, Will flashes back to the relation to the relationship. Now, this is what I really liked about it, because even throughout the movie, there was like still a love there between Will and Eden. But obviously yeah. the tragedy is what tore them apart. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, they they do a really good job of making you feel for the characters. And um, just in general, even even a lot of the friends, you don't get a ton of their backstory. But through their performances, I think you get a sense of of who they are. They sort of show you who they are instead of just like, you know, having these, uh, you know, tiresome conversations in the kitchen about, you know, the good old days or, you know, something like that. You just sort of get to watch them interact briefly and you quickly get a sense of who these people are. I think the, the performances across the board are, are pretty solid here. Yeah, without a doubt. So we get into this conversation. So um, it's almost like Will's trying to get everybody on his side. It's like, hey, you know, if something happens, we can team up on them. Uh, brings up Choi again. He gets the, the reception back. So he's able to uh, listen to the voicemail. Hey, I just I got here before everybody else. Didn't get another voicemail saying that he had to go to work. And so, you know, Will stands up. He's just saying, okay, there's something going on here. And like you said before, all of a sudden, Choi comes walking in, and there he is. Right, yeah. And, you know, open mouth, insert foot for Will at that moment. Um, It's probably, like, one of the most memorable moments of the whole movie because they're just building tension throughout the the whole movie until that point. And then you're like, oh, okay, well, I guess he's crazy. Um, (laughs) Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. At that point, like, if you know, if I'm Will and I don't leave when they show me the, the video of the lady dying, I would definitely leave at that point after you, you, you feel like you made a complete fool of yourself. 
you know, I feel like he would leave at that moment. Yeah, I would, I would think so too. But he ends up going into his son's room and like, like reminiscing about his son, right? Right after that. Yeah. And that's where he yeah. sees David light the red lantern, and you're like, hmm, I wonder what that's all about. To be talked about later. Um, he finds a laptop. There's some ambiguous message about the invitation from the cult leader. Uh, David pours some wine for a toast, and then Will smashes the glass because he thinks we're getting poisoned. Right, yeah. So, <laughs> Will, you got to be, like, really, really confident in yourself at this point in the movie because you've, you've already, like, sort of exploded on all of your friends, and you feel like you've made a fool out of yourself, and then you still knock the wine glasses out of everybody's hands because you, you just, you're going off your gut, and your gut's telling you something's wrong. And it turns out he did exactly what he should have done. Mm-hmm. And he ends up saving all of his friends' lives, except for one. Uh, the one girl does drink the wine. Um, uh, Gina. And yeah, G- yeah G- she, and she ends up dying. Uh, but after he knocks the wine out of everybody's hands, uh, Sadie kind of uh, freaks out and attacks him and says, like, you know, you're ruining everything. And um, they, they sort of uh, come to blows briefly, and she falls and hits her head mm-hmm. and looks like she gets a, a concussion. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, and then like uh, David, Sadie and Pruitt, they go on this killing spree. You know, it's like three from hell or something. Um, So they start attacking everybody. Kira and Will get away. Um, They're, you know, they're maneuvering around this house because David knows it. Like they try to get outside and there was a door here at one point, but it's like covered up with a wall now. So they had all their exits covered. So these guys couldn't get out. So for me, these guys, maybe this is a dumb comment, but the uh david and eden were recruiting people to become part of this cult yeah i don't uh i kind of don't get the point either i guess because like if, if you're if if the whole idea of this is to kill everybody at the end of the night then why would you show them this video and explain all this stuff to them why wouldn't you just you know have a meal and then you know feed them the wine and then have them die so yeah, I guess maybe they were trying to just convert everybody, but it didn't seem like anybody was really taking it seriously or getting on board with it. So they're like, okay, well, I guess we'll we'll all drink the wine and just you know have a have a suicide instead. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, that I guess that was my one problem with it is they never really got into detail. Are they trying to recruit or no? Is this is just you know this is a murder suicide mission of you know what you yeah. see with other cults or what you read about with other cults? But I, I don't know. Um, so Kira and Will actually, they're, they're hiding. They hear David telling Eden that uh, they're doing this is the only way they can leave the earth and be freed from the pain. Another great dialogue scene right there. And like you said, that David guy, he is a total cooter. Yes, he is. That uh, that actor, for some reason, uh, Michel Huisman, I think is how you say his name, mm-hmm. for whatever reason... He always seems to play cooters, or at least the thing that I've seen him in. He always seems to play a cooter. I don't know. I don't know what the deal is there, uh, but he's good at it. Yeah, for sure. Um, so they say that um, Kira and Will get upstairs. Pruitt finds them, uh, choking out Will, and then Kira turns into a total badass and just beats the hell out of Pruitt, like smashes his face in. Yeah, with a like a fire poker, I think. Yeah, I think so. Uh, yeah, uh, Pruitt gives out a pretty gnarly scream. Yep. Um, it's it's a brutal, brutal scene. Um, but yeah, she kicks some ass, and then they go outside, and you see that ending shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Well, Eden shoots Will in the arm, then she sh- shoots herself in the stomach. Uh, the Tommy guy is one of the survivors, so he ends up stabbing David. He dies. 
um, what Eden wants to go outside to die just to be out in nature or whatever. And then um, you hear some sirens, you hear people screaming, and then Will and Kara look out into the canyon and they see a bunch of red lights. People are screaming and ends the movie. Yeah, you realize that uh, this is not an isolated incident and there are houses all throughout, like, I guess the Hollywood Hills or wherever they are, yep. uh, that people are just getting uh, poisoned. And, and <laughs> I guess the invitation is a fairly large uh, organization because there's just red lights all over the place. Yeah. It was so global. So, yeah, for me, the feeling I was and you're right, you get some satisfaction because you didn't really know which way this was going to go. But like once it like kicked into fifth gear this this movie didn't stop and like that like to me seeing the red lights was a total gut punch i went oh my gosh i mean yeah you're satisfied but you're also just like oh i feel a little gross right now (laughs) yeah yeah it's a it's a pretty memorable ending for this movie and i like that it didn't really pull any punches um and like i said that turn where you think will is is uh is wrong is is probably what really makes the ending land as well as it does because if if throughout the entire movie it's just like craziness 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 and yep they're in a cult then you just there would be really no surprise at all Uh, the turn really makes that that uh ending stick for me yeah for sure one of the best and that's pretty much why this is one of my top 10 horror movies of all time so rob again we appreciate you coming on let's uh let's (laughs) i'm keeping my fingers crossed that that i brought you on and you didn't get some crap movie what are you going to give the invitation from 2015? Yeah, I'm not going to pull a Justin and troll you and give this a one star here. Um, I think I'm going to go with a, a 3.5 out of 5 on this one. Okay. Well, I I can't give it anything less than a 5 because, I mean, I love this movie so much. I love the acting. I love the buildup. The characters are all fantastic. Some of the best acting you'll ever see, and just the story was so good. Yeah, yeah, it's a solid movie. Uh, definitely one worth watching. Uh, watch it around Thanksgiving, you know. It really puts you in the mood to be with uh, friends and family. Oh, yeah, this one will make you want to be around family all the time, <laughs> especially if oh, you're yeah. like this, right? Yeah, for sure. All right, Rob, from the Straight Chillin' Podcast, you can find them on YouTube.com slash Straight Chillin' Podcast. You can find their website straightchillingpodcast.com or you can find them on any social media listen to them anywhere you get your podcast uh, I know that you guys just put a uh, new episode out on Saturday which was Orphanage yeah that's exactly right we talked about the Orphanage uh, which was chosen by one of our Patreon supporters uh, it's a Spanish language movie from 2007 it's produced by Guillermo del Toro uh, directed by uh, AJ Bayana who uh, after that, I think that was his uh, uh, directorial debut, his feature-length directorial debut, anyway. Mm-hmm. And then he went on to do uh, a Jurassic World, so he's he's definitely kind of moving up uh, For sure. <laughs> in the chain of things. But uh, yeah, it's, it's a great ghost movie. Check it out if you haven't seen it. And what do you guys have coming up uh, next week? Uh, we're talking about a movie that Andy picked, and I'm salty about it because it's uh, Antichrist. Are you familiar with oh, it? Oh, God, no. Yeah, I, I that's... I think you guys posed the question for your uh, hotline screams is, is there any movie that you walked out of? And yeah. that was one for me. Um, I, I could not watch that movie. It was like gross. Is it Lars von Tier? Is that who did yeah, it? Yeah, Lars. 
Lars Montreux. Yeah, it's uh, it's not a movie that I particularly enjoy, and I would understand why you or anybody else might walk out of that one. <laughs> it's yeah, it's not easy to stomach. I, I can honestly say I have not watched it all the way through, and that's because uh, for the Horrorphoria podcast for the next couple of weeks, next week we're going to be talking about from 2020, and it is a horror movie, porno. Uh, May 22nd, we're talking about the autopsy of Jane Doe and uh, getting into the classic paying tribute to Stuart Gordon. We're going to watch Reanimator at the end of the month. Yeah, one of my favorites. Oh, man. Every time I get a chance to watch it, I can't just because I got so much going on. But I always want to watch it again. That and Brighter Reanimator. Yeah, yeah, there's so much fun. Yep, for sure. All right, Bob, again, thank you so much for coming on, uh, stepping in uh, to fill for Andy's shoes this week. We'll have you on again very, very soon, and we'll try to uh, try not to make it another crap movie for you, okay? Hey, uh, no matter what it is, I'm happy to be here, man, anytime. All right, check them out, Straight Chillin' Podcast. I'm John Richards. Have a good rest of the week with the Horrorphoria Podcast.